Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. Welcome to Choose Life Radio, and this is Jill Taylor. I am so blessed that you're here and that you're going to get a chance to meet someone extremely effective in saving lives, and that's Kristen Hawkins. Kristen, you have an organization called Students for Life of America. Can you tell me how you decided to found that organization and and how it's been growing? Sure, yeah. We launched Students for Life 13 years ago, um, and the mission was pretty simple, is to go on the offense on college and high school campuses where the abortion industry is targeting, you know, right where they're going to advertise their service, right where they're setting up shop. We know that 79% of Planned Parenthoods are uh, five miles from a college campus. Hmm. There was a gap that we really weren't being there. We weren't reaching her first. Planned Parenthood was doing a pretty effective job of getting getting in the door first and building that relationship before the pro-life movement ever had a chance. So is this within five, usually five miles of any college campus, including the Christian campuses? Including Christian campuses, yeah. yes. Yeah, I know right here in our yeah, town. And I'll tell one. you, you know, I mean, Christian campuses are often, you know, I think a lot of people think Christian colleges should be excluded from this conversation, um, <laughs> that, you know, it's not really needed right. on a Christian college campus. I've had administrators at Christian colleges tell me that to my face, yeah. uh, and that's absolutely false. I can't tell you how many, in you know, 13 years, hundreds of women we've met who've told us their stories, that who are now former Christians, who call themselves former Christians, because they at one time were Christian, found themselves in unplanned crisis pregnancy, and felt that they had no no choices beyond choosing to kill their child, mm-hmm. uh, or that their parents, who were active in the church, the, you know, their whole childhood, were the ones who drove her to the abortion facility. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I speak about colleges, I, I speak about public, private, and religious universities equally, because this is a message that all of those campuses need to hear. Wow, that's that was very powerful, and I'm sure as our listeners are tuning in here, this is going to be a very good discussion for them to kind of wake up to. I think this is the point of what I'm trying to do with this program in, in effect is let's educate our Christian people so that they understand what is happening on the campuses where they're maybe sending their students thinking this could never happen there. I love your vision statement, your mission. We exist to transform culture by helping young people make abortion unthinkable and obsolete on their campus, in their community, and in our nation. Can you break that down a little bit? How are you doing that? When you think about changing culture, when you think about how do you actually change culture, you have to go where cultures form. Cultures formed with young people. Um, That's just something we know is we can pass laws today in Washington, D.C. and state capitals across the country. But if you fail to win the culture, everything you've worked for in 20 years will be erased. And culture, youth are the cultural drivers in our society. 
So when we talk about making abortion illegal and unthinkable, uh, which is, you know, our mission, we've got to go and we have to change the culture. We have to get this generation out there. Uh, we have to educate them, like I said earlier, reach them before Planned Parenthood does, grab them, bring them into the pro-life movement, and then mobilize them to speak out for the world's greatest human rights and justice. Well, on college campuses, there seems to be a very strong bent towards the more liberal thinking, the more push of the agenda of abortion, and under the guise of women's rights and that sort of thing. How are you? How are you guys coming against that force? Sure. Well, obviously, college campuses, as you mentioned, do lean heavily uh, liberal. They lean pro-abortion. We sue a lot of campuses. We've, we have you know, a lot of case law now on record where we've had to sue for the rights for our clubs to exist, to be able to hold an event or have club meetings. Thankfully, you know, word's starting to spread around the country not to mess with students for life groups <laughs> um, because we do know our legal rights. Our biggest challenge is still today in the high school campuses uh, where a lot of principals uh, need to be educated sadly, on the Constitution and what freedom of speech and freedom of assembly means. That's where we find most of our time being spent fighting for our students' rights right now. Oh, that's that's very important. You you talked about attorneys. Are they working with you pro bono? Are you having to find uh, funding to to hire attorneys? What's what's that like for you? Sure, we we thankfully use uh, pro bono attorneys, a group of Alliance Defending Freedom, uh, and also the Thomas More Legal Society, who for for the most part, you know, anytime we have legal issues, uh, we can find attorneys willing to work with us in that state for free to help our students for life group. Groups, file the suits that we need, um, be there in court, and speak out. We're seeing a lot of violence against groups that are positive sure. on life. How are you guys dealing with that on campus? Sure. Well, we've seen an increase since President Trump has been elected in violence, violent rhetoric, vandalism of our displays, of our events. I think really that's kind of a reaction to the fact that President Trump is president. And I think it, it just shows you the desperation there is on the pro-abortion side, their movement side. And, you know, when, when folks feel that desperate, they feel that they're losing the, the battle, they begin to lose their grip on reality and they get more dangerous. And we've seen this in social movements throughout history. And so, you know, we've seen an uptick in vandalism this spring, we had several incidents of violence against our campus displays where students tore up our pink crosses representing the amount of abortions Planned Parenthood commits every day, stepped on them, picked them up, threw them away, protested, chanted, oh, look, there's my fetus. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a cross for my fetus. And so you know, we were actually doing a training just in a month, a little less than a month now, as our students getting ready to head back on the campuses talking to them about, you know, vandalism and how they need to make sure that they're recording the vandalism that they face on campus, how to keep safe, um, how to de-escalate situations when people mm -hmm. come up to you and start screaming and shouting and spitting at you, which happens mm -hmm. uh, sadly a lot, because I actually don't think it's going to get any better. I, I do believe I have a view that's probably going to get worse. Mm 
uh, especially as we get closer and closer uh, to to meeting that goal, that mm-hmm. you know that step one goal for our movement, which is reversing Roe versus Wade. Mm-hmm. What we saw with Judge Kavanaugh in Washington D.C. Right. with a confirmation to the Supreme Court, the women clawing at the Supreme Court doors. I think what we saw there is nothing compared to what we're going to see when Roe and Doe are reversed and the decision of abortion returns back to the states. This has become something that's been ingrained in, sadly, a lot of people's minds that, you know, without Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Bolton, the two decisions that legalized abortion in all nine months for whatever reason, without Roe versus Wade, women don't have rights. And and women and young women today sadly actually believe that mm-hmm. that somehow Roe makes them a woman who is free to ha- go to college, get a get an education, have a career. That everything somehow is tied to Roe, and everything is owed to Roe and Doe, uh, which couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, when you look at it and you look at the reality of abortion in our country, we know that Roe and Doe. And abortion in general are the opposite of empowerment. Mm -hmm. Uh, They aren't the source of it. Mm. Kristen, how did you become so passionate about this topic? I became, you know, passionate about speaking out about abortion uh, when I was 15 years old. I was looking for a summer volunteer opportunity to get, you know, credit hours to volunteer to graduate on high school with honors. And a woman at my church was working as a part-time accountant at a pregnancy resource center in Steubenville, Ohio. And she said, hey, do you want to come with me and be my intern for the summer at this Women's Help Center? And I said, sure, I'm pro-woman. Sounds great. <laughs> um, didn't really know what I was getting myself into, like most things, uh, all most amazing things that have happened in my life. So I, I, I wasn't fully aware of what I was going to be doing beyond, you know, the typical intern work of filing and sorting you know, the supply room. But I was really lucky because the women at the pregnancy center didn't just see me as a 15-year-old workhorse. They they wanted to invest in me, and they actually trained me to be a counselor that summer because, you know, a lot of the girls coming into the center were my age, uh, and they thought it would be a different approach if I, their peer, was counseling them. And so yeah, I was actually absolutely. trained that summer as a counselor for the pregnancy center. So when they would come in, I had the ability to take them upstairs and help perform the pregnancy test with them and and counsel them through their options and talk to them about what was going on in their life, how they got to this place in their life of desperation. And so that's what really changed my heart uh, on abortion. I think, you know, if you would have asked before I entered that pregnancy center, how I felt about abortion, I think I would have had a very mushy middle response of, Mm -hmm. you know, I I personally don't like abortion. I I can't see myself ever having abortion, but I don't think I can tell somebody else not to. But, you know, in the process of becoming that counselor, you know, I had to read everything I could about abortion. I had to watch every video the pregnancy center had about abortion. And I was just simply, I remember walking out after that first day just shocked that, this happens every day behind closed doors, and yet no one talks about it. It wasn't being talked about in my church. It never was talked about in my school. Why were people talking about this tragedy? The fact that, you know, these 2,500, the time I think it was 2,800, babies are dying every single day, and yet no one was talking about it. Wow. Oh, wow. You have really hit a nerve, and I'm, I'm so excited to have you open up and talk about this. We're going to take a quick break and bring Kristen Hawkins back for the second half. Please stay with us on Choose Life Radio. 
Thanks for joining us for the conversation around the table today here on Choose Life Radio. Jill's guest is Kristen Hawkins, and we'll get back to that conversation in a moment. In the meantime, if you'd like to contact Jill for any reason, perhaps you have a question, or you may want to get involved in the cause for life and you need some direction, Jill would love to hear from you. You can contact her at our website, chooseliferadio.com. And while you're there, you can access all of our previous broadcasts as podcasts, hear them again, or share them with friends. All that at chooseliferadio.com. And now let's get back to today's conversation. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor, your host, and we are delighted today to have from Students for Life of America, Kristen Hawkins, who really seemed to have her heart touched by this topic of abortion back as a 15-year-old. And Kristen, where are you now? You're no longer 15. How, how, how about family life? Can you tell us a little sure. bit about what's going on? Yeah, I'm definitely no longer 15, <laughs> although I would be surprised people do think I'm a lot younger. I think it's just the title, President of Students for Life. Sure. Um, I'm 34. I married my high school sweetheart. We've been married for 13 and a half years. Uh, I have four children, a 10-year-old little boy, Gunner, a 9-year-old little boy, Bear, a 5-year-old little boy, Maverick, and a 4-year-old Princess Gracie. Oh, my goodness. I love the names. Those are so fantastic. And did you have most of the choice in that, or did your husband get to uh, vote uh, in on those you know, names? No, I stupidly made an agreement with him when we were dating that he got to pick the boy names, and I got to pick the girl <laughs> names. So he, we have a boy dog and three boys, and I've only got to pick one name this whole time. <laughs> well, and I just want to let the audience know, uh, those of who are traveling with us on this uh, this incredible day, that you just did one of the bravest things in the world. You took four children to the dentist this morning. Is that right? That's right. <laughs> well, it went a lot better than last time, so oh. I was actually pleasantly surprised. <laughs> no, no cavities to be filled? We have a little cavity, but it's on a baby tooth, so I think we'll be okay. Okay. Oh, um, that's fantastic. <laughs> yes. I was like, well, I guess that's, that's better than what I thought. Yes. Yes. Well, then this, this interview is very easy for you today because if you've done that, you've accomplished the, the hard stuff in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's great to have you here talking about this issue. I think one of the, the things that we get distracted on is that there are centers that are working with clients and that there are places where we're trying to educate, but we aren't nearly as effective as the message that's going out on the abortion side right now. And so it takes more of your type of organization to get the word out and to educate on the opposite side. I'm so appreciative of what your students are willing to do, and I know that they're at risk. Literally, one of the things I'd like to be sure we end with is praying for your students, because as they go back into the schools, they are targets. That's right. Um, That's exactly right. I I was just at a big uh, event this week uh, in Napa, and, you know, every person I've talked to said, what can I do? And I said, pray. (laughs) We need prayers. Mm -hmm. Um, because you are sadly mistaken if you do not think this is spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that it, sometimes we tend to forget, but that this is definitely spiritual warfare. And we see it on campuses all the time, especially when, you know, you meet a young woman who seemingly looks like she has it all together, walks by a display that's not graphic, simply uses words 
and tries to engage somebody in dialogue about the issue of abortion, and you see a whole different person come out. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're screaming, and they're yelling, and cursing, and spitting, and violence. This is definitely a, a spiritual issue. Absolutely. And also in those counseling rooms, it, it, it becomes a little more available to us to share who God is in all of this. But the reality is you, you just really need to meet that woman where she is and listen right. to what she's dealing with. And a lot of times it's pressure. A lot of times it's revolt from parents and making decisions that aren't healthy. But the, re- right. the reality is every child is in, made in the image of God, and every child is of value regardless of conception. So mm-hmm. it's a pretty powerful topic to be dealing with. You know, when you came on the scene, and I'm, I'm kind of shocked that it's 13 years ago. I don't know. It's probably been six or seven years that I've really been tracking you. But I just feel like God gave some instant success to this. I would have thought it would have been difficult to get students on college campuses active, but you have really been successful. What do you think the students are are reaching out for in that they are willing and eager to learn these things and, and actually put themselves into some pretty risky situations at times so that they can get this message out? I think it's kind of simple. Once you've touched their hearts, once they understand and they see that this this is truly human rights and justice that's unfolding, I think it's pretty easy to get them to set out uh, and to do the hard things. In fact, I actually have, you know, I've, I've said this multiple times, that in some of the worst places, some of the most hardened campuses, worst states, you know, in terms of life, we tend to have the best leaders because they've they've seen what the other side is about. They've seen the other side move. Um, and so that's something where I, I I don't ever get discouraged when I see protesters. It, it actually encourages me that we're being effective, that people people are coming out to try to silence us because we're doing a good job. And so that's what we've seen. Our students who face the most opposition are students that have dealt with filing a lawsuit or vandalism, uh, those students tend to be the toughest students we have. Mm -hmm. They tend to be the students that stayed around the longest because they've actually had to defend their beliefs. They've been challenged. I I have more of a challenge, honestly, with students there in the Midwest Um, when... um, you know, no one wants to have a debate when having a debate is considered, you know, in, you know, the not polite thing to do. Mm-hmm. And, and there's there, there's never really any conversation about it. That's the problem, isn't it? I mean, that it's it's just not talked about, and therefore, students don't have their ability to reason through this, and, and they hear it's just the way it is. You know, it's a right. That's you right. can't take away a right. But the right of the child is never going to be discussed by the people who are saying it's a right. That's it's right. a it's a, a very sinful issue that we're dealing with, and yet yeah. God is on our side, I do believe. And there have been some fantastic tools recently. I wonder how they've gone over with the students that you're working with in colleges and high schools. I'll get to the middle school in a minute. I want to talk about that. But like the Gosnell film and Unplanned, how have those been effective for you with your with your students? I'm um, sure. I mean, Gosnell, Unplanned, Hush, 
We use these to get students to come out to group meetings, to activate students. I think when you're talking about a lot of pro-life movies, they, they do serve to activate the pro-life students, to get them to kind of take that next step, to, to move from being passively pro-life to being actively pro-life. Um, and so we had a huge, you know, outreach this year with Gosnell. We, had, we screened Gosnell on 100 campuses in February, mm-hmm. which was the anniversary of the raids. We uh, we, we spent more than $30,000 this spring getting tickets in the hands of pro-life students to go see Unplanned. We gave free tickets away to any student who promised to take one pro-choice person in their life to the movie. Wow. So we were very active in getting, you know, Unplanned. We'll be doing Unplanned screenings on dozens and dozens of college campuses in the fall. <sighs> so we're not going to give up. We're not going we're not going to stop. Mm. Um, and we're going to use these movies as a tool to really get that conversation going. Yeah, that's that's powerful. I I tell you, having been involved as a center director for twenty years, I learned things in unplanned that I didn't know. I used to think, how can you work in a place like that and be a believer? How does that? How is that sure. possible? Well, the film made it very understandable how you can get hooked in and and roped in and thinking even that you're doing something that is that is helpful it was a powerful film and a powerful turnaround in terms of her recognition yep. and the patience of her husband through that so without ruining the the theme of that movie it was very very effective for me I want to tell you a story too there's a congressman that we have in our in our state and mm-hmm. he has spoken to me about this movie, about getting the opportunity to go. He wanted to see it, and his wife was busy and couldn't go. And so he invited his 14-year-old son to join him. And he was pretty ticked off. He didn't want to go, but his father really said, I think I need you to come with me. And they watched the film together. And he said he looked over him at him at one point, and tears were streaming down his eyes. Mm-hmm. And he got done with the film, and he looked at his son, and he said, talk to me. And he said, I want every friend. I have to see this movie. There's no way yep. I understood what was happening. So how does it become the best kept secret? I don't understand this. We know what's happening. And I feel like there's lots of publicity out there about what's happening. But why does no one really understand the agenda of the Planned Parenthoods and the abortion clinics that we have in our nation? Well, I think it's we know, because Planned Parenthood puts tens of millions of dollars every year into marketing. I think there's that. I think that one of our biggest struggles in the pro-life movement, if I'm being honest, is that we're not very good at marketing. We each have our own organizations. Every pregnancy center does their own direct marketing there in their community. But overall, there isn't an entity that speaks to the country and says, this is who pro-life is. Right. You're right. We served this many hundreds of thousands of women. We saved this many hundreds of thousands of babies. Did you know this is what we're for? And Planned Parenthood has a very savvy marketing machine that all day long is inundating their target audience, a lot of young people, about who they are, who we are, and who we are. 
Mm-hmm. It's not just who what they are. It's also what we what they it's want them to us. believe about yes. us. Mm-hmm. I think there's that. I mean, if you think about Planned Parenthood is everywhere your child is at. They are at the schools. They are getting into schools, even grade schools, not oh, just yes. middle and high school. Absolutely. Building a relationship with her. Now they have these apps. They have this Rue, which is their, um, you could go and ask Rue anything. It's the artificial intelligence bot. Um, and so they're on her phone. They're on his phone. So I think that's one of our biggest challenges in the movement is that we're just being outspent for marketing. And also I think, too, is people don't really want to look and see. And they don't really want to research. So they're going to hear what they hear from Planned Parenthood. um, And that's what they're going to believe. Because researching about abortion, looking into the claims, means you might actually find the truth. And I found a lot of times finding the truth, is that's hard. That's hard for people. Because that might mean you have to change something about the way you're living your life. That might change something up, right? Yeah. And people don't really want to do that, especially if they know there might be something here that I have to change. Yeah. And maybe deal with in terms of, in retrospect, ask forgiveness for. Mm -hmm. Families that maybe have been torn apart by this uh, need to come back and, and apologize and just say, I was wrong. And can you forgive me? Boy, those are powerful things that you just mentioned, and I am so grateful to have had you here today. We're going to get ready here to close, but before we do, I just want to recommend that you check out our website at chooseliferadio.com, and we will put the Students for Life website on our site as well. It's really important that you take a peek at this organization because Students for Life of America are making a huge difference and they're stepping in where you and I wouldn't really be comfortable stepping in on the college campuses and high school campuses. So, Kristen, we're excited to have had you today and I understand that you might be willing to come back next week because there's so much more I want to talk to you about. Sure. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you again and thank you listeners for joining us today around the table. It's been really delightful to have you and God bless. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.